This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, a podcast where we try to make dating in the time of the pandemic, you know, semi-manageable or not dating, whatever it is. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rate, subscribe, reviewing, and engaging with us on social meds, etc. We love you guys. I'm, try- I think I'm just like trying to bring some pep into my voice because I am not feeling the goddamn pep today. I mean, Liza, I think same. I realized I was speaking like a robot. You know, I we're gonna bring a little pep. We're gonna bring a little, a little, you know, cynicism as well because it's it's just it's a tough time it's a tough time especially here in America I mean and everywhere uh but be nice to yourselves Liza that includes you I want you to be nice to yourself you can talk however I'll you try. want to talk <laughs> <laughs> oh at least we have a great episode for you all here today um Yes, to echo Liza first and foremost thank you for engaging with us on Instagram I feel like I'm like you know, on this mission to, you know, find a way where we have more of a connection with you guys that doesn't just exist on Mark Zuckerberg's platform and a secret Facebook group. You know, it's not going to be a whole to do, um, but whether it's a newsletter or some of you thought pen pals would be cool, if you want to be a part of our community as it grows, I kind of hate saying our community, but you know, if you want to just stay in touch with us more and give us feedback about what you'd like, shoot our um email 51firstdatespod at gmail.com shoot us an email there and just say add me to any lists you start I may make a little google a short short couple minute google survey to see what you all want but thank you for sharing emails and just being willing to give us feedback on what would make this a more exciting place because we are small but we are mighty and I think there's a lot of solidarity among the listeners here that could be nice Um, for sure um in that vein Please do follow us at 51 First Dates Pod on Instagram and join our secret Facebook group. Um, we will continue to like post any updates there. Also, we're going to get into our consumption corner, but please follow us on Patreon if you are interested in our batch takes this yes. season. We have a lot of fun there. We have a heated disagreements on Victoria. Um, no, I'm just kidding. There weren't he did it at all. I was just wrong. Um, no, but, no, 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 no. I've the more I thought about it and read about it this week, I was like, oh, I'm just fucking wrong. That was just the wrong. Like I just, you know, I don't. However, you, okay. Well, actually, I'm not going to say anymore. Tune into the Patreon. You can go you, to the Patreon. <laughs> it's all about we're focusing on building community. You know, this is neither of our full time jobs, so you can join for as little as one dollar. It's it, we really appreciate you supporting us monetarily, but we just kind of want to also just get people over there and have you join the community. Fully. It's on Patreon right now. It may move, but just 
yeah, we did all the business, but I I realize I never explained why this is an exciting episode, Liza. I will give the oh, rundown. Oh, oops. I probably want. interrupted you while you were doing that. Oh, you did not. I totally just went on a tangent about Instagram because I've been having fun. I'm trying to post more on Instagram, 51 First Dates Instagram, because I don't know why. <laughs> like, like, we should. Um, and I, I really do like hearing from people that that who listen to this podcast or who just follow us. It's fun. Anyway... Okay, why is this episode so exciting? Well, one, Consumption Corner. We're going to have a hefty Consumption Corner today. Lots to watch and discuss. Two, we're going to do a listener question. And then three, most importantly, we have a very special guest on, Marla Renee Stewart. She's a sexpert for Lover's Adult Wellness brand. Um, They have very great vibes you could check out, but she's many more things than that too. She is a co-founder of the Sex Down South Conference, a sexologist, a professional sex intimacy and relationship coach, and sexuality educator. Um, She created something called Velvet Lips. It's a sexuality education company, and it's really about empowering people, you know, all people to express themselves and work on how they express themselves when it comes to sex. And she's just a really amazing uh, human and shared really interesting perspectives on all sorts of sex questions, including some listener questions that you submitted. So just really thank you to Marla for coming on. Um, That interview is later in this pod. But for now, Liza, shall we consume or discuss? Let's consume. Do you want to go first? Yes, because mine are not as robust as yours from – you know, our little chit chat before the episode. Uh, okay. So I, you know, consumed. And when I consume something I really like, sometimes I just need to post about it on the internet. So if you follow me, you saw me post this. But I consumed a movie called Promising Young Woman that is pretty fucking incredible. And I strongly recommend. And actually, it's going to sound like I'm cheating and I really don't have much to say this week, but I would recommend, I will say trigger warning, sexual assault and rape. Um, I would really recommend not reading a ton about it before you watch the film. Um, Liza, did you see it? I haven't seen it yet, but I've been hearing about it forever. Like, I feel like it's one of those movies that has all this like indie film buzz since it was at Sundance last year. And I've been like dying to watch it. And I still haven't, even though it's been out for like a month or whatever. I but actually I, think well, it, I think it just came out in terms of like being able to watch it at home. So I don't think you're behind. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was in, I thought it was earlier. Okay. That makes me feel better because I've been really excited about it. Yeah. Because I tried to look for it the weekend previous. So basically for anyone looking for it, you know, I will say while I mentioned those triggers, it is an incredible, I'll also say the word like avenging something for a friend. Like I don't, I really don't think you should read a lot about it before. Know that it's buzzy. Know that the end is like something I just want to talk about so badly. I think we should do a bonus episode. But the to give a little more like color to what this is, um, Emerald Fennell is the the director and writer, and she is showrunner of Killing Eve, or was show the showrunner of Killing Eve. Also, did you watch the season of The Crown? Oh, she plays Camilla. I forgot. I didn't watch it, I but I like, forgot that connection. Yeah, it blew my fucking mind because I was like, I googled the director because I was like, who is this director? Like whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, she looks so familiar. And I like I recognize her name from Killing Eve. And I was like, oh, her face looks familiar. Like, who does she look like? And then I was like, oh, my God. Like, I clicked on her link. It blew my mind. She, I mean, yeah. talented woman. She's really, really good as Camilla. A very strange part to play. Um, yeah, I still. In the, in I, the I Crown haven't, universe. Yeah, I need, to, I need to see season four of The Crown. I, I just need yeah. to catch up. 
Um, what a fucking great show as well. But Liza. So the reason I, I'm pretty sure it may have just come out or at least like easier to find if you don't have access to like screeners or weren't at Sundance, whatever. Uh, you, If you want to watch it, sorry, all over the place because I just want to talk about this movie. Uh, I thought it was so powerful. Uh, it, um, If you want to check it out, just go, I guess, to Amazon or Apple. It's rental. So it's $19.99, but I, I recommend you do it. Treat it like a night out at the movie theater. I just haven't seen something that like showed more than told, made you think about your, what you were thinking through it, um, and then just like a phenomenal performance by uh, Carrie Mulligan. It's it's a great, yeah. It's also like a great way to support female filmmakers, like of whom there are so few, mm-hmm. you know, to, to pay for their movies. Like if you can, you know, it shows like it, it sucks that this has to be a thing, but there's just, I think still a lot of people who don't think that female filmmakers can be profitable. And like any dollar you spend on supporting their work is like going to show that that's like fucked up and dumb and old. (laughs) So, and you know, it's a good one to pay for, I think. Agreed. Especially because it like, you know, I think I don't know what the decision making process was, but I'm assuming it became like, well, let's release this for like awards contention this year. But it didn't get even the like indie theater push it would have. And I think because there's so much you want to talk about after watching this, especially the end of this film, it would have had a bigger moment if COVID yeah. wasn't a thing. So 100%, yeah. support it uh, or check uh, it out. And I just want to talk about it. But that's- I was going to I was like fully planning on watching it tonight because I've been in this just like movie kick, which I'll talk about. But uh uh, the batch is on tonight and I was, but oh, yeah. I may actually just watch it instead of batch and like watch batch tomorrow you know what I mean like I think it's a bad feminist choice to watch <laughs> batch I instead know. of this film that I really want to watch no 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 I I don't it's I mean you gotta be I feel like the the three-day weekend we're recording this on the Monday Martin Luther King Day um I feel like it's a if you're having any scaries I know you work today Liza but I don't know it's dark it's like you want to process it a little. I don't know. I don't know. No, yeah. Just do what you want on this Monday evening. Okay. We'll feel it out. We'll feel it out. Um, Cool. That's a great one. And extremely highbrow. And not, I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying like you said you didn't have juicy content consumption. I think that's like the juiciest. Yeah, I think that's it. The only other thing. So I feel like, what else? I've been watching older movies too. Uh, the only other thing I will recommend or not I don't know if I recommend it, but Tony is really liking it. Um, and I'm going to recommend a show that I haven't seen yet to myself. Okay, hold on. So there's a, there's a lot more French content being talked about because of the show Lupin on Netflix, which I do enjoy watching. I don't think it's the perfect show for me, but I'm the whole time I sit on the couch and <laughs> – I try to not look at the subtitles and see what I can understand. And then I start repeating the lines in French. So poor Tony. It's just like I'm, like, I'm using it to practice my French. But I also For context, think – Kimmy's very good at French. She I, I once very, very was. good French. I once was. I And I am very the, – the lead actor, Omar C, is like – I think he's, you know, very highly decorated and known in France – um, but he's, he's very good and I really like watching him too. And the story, I don't know why I'm being kind of anti, I would recommend that. But my recommendation in this vein to myself and to us, though I haven't seen it, is that I really want to start the show Call My Agent, which is another French series. Have you heard of it, Liza? I have. And I've heard it's fucking awesome. I've heard it's great. I think it's about an agency, but I think it's more of like a half hour or a comedy versus um, Mm. Lupin, which is like. A heisty, which I, I like the heist part. Anyway, I'm just like, check out, it's a really good time to check out shows in 
French at all, but also just in a maybe a language you speak or want to practice. I, that, that's my other thought because totally. I just have liked. Or be, just like yeah, another country when you can't travel. You know, yeah. like that's really appealing too. Of just like cool or just like a different culture. You know, Jeff's been just been watching Borgen, oh, which is a supposed to be so Danish good. or Swedish, Danish, I think. And it's like a political drama and I'm I'm not really watching it that much, but I've been like catching little bits and pieces and I'm just like, oh, I don't know anything about Denmark. Like this is just like really interesting. If it is Denmark, it also could be any of the other Scandinavian countries. Please don't at me. It is Scandinavia. <laughs> I think you're right. I okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot about it and I think you're right. Because <laughs> someone also just recommended a Swedish show to me and I'm worried I'm fucking them up. My I, One of my really good friends is Swedish. She would be very disappointed if she heard me saying these things. Um sorry yes if you're listening <laughs> but uh cool yeah I like the idea of just like uh, I'm I'm really craving some escapism which is going to be lols with the content I'm about to recommend um but <laughs> the some kind of like different culture different country something mm-hmm. even if it's not like gorgeous shots of of you know the Champs-Élysées or whatever just like something that makes me feel like I'm not stuck in a tiny apartment in New York <laughs> yes um very pro which is a good segue to my content because I'm about to recommend two like super New York-y shows. Not shows. One is a movie. One. Okay. So both of these things are, I- I'm just in love. Oh, wait. First of all, I will get to those. I watched The Sound of Metal on your recommendation. Oh, yes. What did you think? Which was so fucking good. Liza, I'm so glad you thought so. I feel like it's, I feel like there's buzz around Riz Ahmed, but I thought the movie was good. And it, what did you think as an editor with the sound design too? I was just like, it was The sound design was incredible. There's, it's about a character who goes deaf. He's a heavy metal drummer and he goes deaf suddenly. Um, And there's, other than the music, some of the music he plays, there's no music in the movie, which is crazy. Like that's a crazy thing to do. And it doesn't bother you at all. I didn't even notice it until it was like, I was an hour and 15 minutes in. I was like, oh, there's no music in this. There's no score. There's nothing. It's like, it's so good. It was so well done. It's also on Amazon Prime right now. Um, Like you can watch it for free if you have a Prime membership. And it was just super beautiful, super sensitive, like super well made, like really powerful. But I just really like subtle. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't, I felt like so many times it could have beaten beaten you over the head with like, he misses music because he can't hear it anymore. And it yeah. wasn't that. It didn't, it didn't like do any cheap emotional tricks. It just was powerful. And like Riz Ahmed is going to win an Oscar soon. He's such a good actor. I mean, and I, I really think he should for this. I but I haven't seen enough this year. I will say I I would also recommend well, I guess after you see the movie, he's being being interviewed everywhere right now. I think it actually leaked that he's married. He like accidentally let that come out that he, oh. he's secretly been married. Um, he's so I was going to say he's sweet. so fucking hot. He's so hot. He's so cute too. When he like yeah. let it go, Is he's he British like, oh. in real life. He's British and Pakistani. So okay. I, but I think he, I don't know where he grew up. Um, he's an English accent or yeah, yes, uh, yeah, which is also fun to listen to. And I mean, he's a fucking. Smoke show to borrow a line from what's his name? Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, I forgot. Thank you, Liza. That just made me giggle. Um, bring smoke show back or reclaim smoke show. We'll try. But uh, Liza, you or anyone who's seen the movie should listen to because I feel like there are some spoilers. He was on a podcast I like called Keep It this week. And they talk about like these 
first of all, his preparation for the role, which is really extensive, and then like using these devices where the director could just turn off his hearing. I don't know. It was like, wow. I was almost like, does that make the performance less impressive? Because like, but I think it was just an exercise. I, I Again, trying not to like blow up everything, but I would recommend like listening to him. He's That's such cool. a sweetheart too. It was like the first thing in a long time where I saw and I was like, oh, I kind of miss being an actor, like his performance in that. Yep. Which I never feel anymore. Yeah. I have not felt that in years. You'll feel it from Carrie Mulligan, I think, in um, mm. Promising Young Woman as well. I was like, That's this cool. would be a fucking dream to play. Yeah. Yeah. Just so That's really, complex. Really cool. and Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Totally. Just got not excited at all. about Riz. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about content because no one can go on dates right now. Um, okay, I'll be brief on my other two content pieces, but no, they're please. both extremely New York-y. Um, as I said, the first I want to recommend is a um, series on Netflix called Pretend It's a City. Have you heard about oh, this? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my God, Kimmy. You, it's like, I watched the whole thing in one night. It's like seven episodes that are 30 to 40 minutes like I I couldn't I wanted to stop the whole time because I wanted to save it because it was so good and I couldn't it's not going to be for everyone that being said <laughs> so it's it's a um a documentary series directed by Martin Scorsese about his friend who is a, this woman named Fran Lebowitz who's a writer and just like a New York figure, like she is just the most New York human you can possibly imagine. She's like a in her 70s. She's like a just a kind of grouchy like woman who wears oversized blazers and glasses and just is a like a comments on everything. And she's kind of just like a misanthrope and she thinks everyone is annoying. But she's so funny. She's like a humorist, you know, like that's mm-hmm. I think like she's a writer and humorist. She's like a very sought after like dinner party guest and late night guest and all of these things and she's just so weird and specific and so Martin Scorsese just interviews her about stuff and they walk around the city and she talks about New York and she's so interesting and so funny and I just could not stop watching her she's just like a fascinating human and it makes you love New York it makes you you know it it made me just feel like so excited for when New York comes back and so like so in love with this place which is how I want to feel about it and sometimes have a hard time feeling about it and it's really well made and it's visually really nice like it's mostly her sitting in like a dark bar talking but you know it's like Martin Scorsese so it like is nice to look at (laughs) um and yeah I mean she is who I want to be when I grow up and I I it's she made me want to be more honest like she just made me want to be less self-deprecating and and like more unapologetic too, which I just think is like a constant um, struggle of mine. She made me want to like talk less. So at one point, someone was asking her about wellness and or Martin Scorsese was asking about wellness and all this other stuff, and she was like, "Ah, it's so fucking boring" or something. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this is boring. I want to stop talking about my body and what I'm eating and what I'm not eating and how much I'm drinking. I'm just like, it's boring. I- I'm done with that as like a big topic of conversation amongst females. Like mm. we're smarter and you know, just like Fuck yeah. she just made me want to like read more and think more. And since I watched that, I have just been like feeling more creatively a- awake and engaged and a little bit less like um, I need to uh, watch Top Chef for 16 hours in a row to like feel okay." Um, so that was nice. And also it's really funny. <laughs> and then 
similarly, but again, if you don't like love a very particular brand of like old grouchy Jewish New Yorkers, you're not going to love this. But I think you might. I don't know. Yeah. And I think if you're not sure who she, who Fran Leibowitz is, you actually, you'll see her. She's like an iconic person from New York. You will, you will immediately. Yes. And she's a great her. like rock on tour. Like she just tells these great stories that they're not even like nothing happens. She just the things she notices about people and places. It's just like so funny. It sounds very so that, soothing. Yes, it really is. And like they just mellow music. Like truly, she's all of the shots were they shot it before the pandemic, like two years ago maybe. And so she's just walking around the city and everything's normal, which also gave me like a sense of calm that I really appreciated. Um. So the other thing I really want to recommend is a movie called The 40-Year-Old Version, V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And it's a movie written and directed by this woman, Rada Blank. She's been like a playwright and she was a writer on a couple shows, Empire and some other show. Um, But this is her first movie as a director and she also acted in it. And it's a about a kind of like down on her luck woman about to turn 40 who decides to become a rapper. And it's so fucking good. I'm obsessed with it. This woman, it's like the perfect combination to me of comedy and like pathos. Like you fucking are obsessed with her. You love her so much. You want the best for her. There was a scene I had to fast forward through because I it was so like awkward and I love her so much. It was like, like you really give a shit about her and sh- the like... Music is really good and like the rapping is really good and it's it's really well written. It's really funny. There's a couple things like it was her first movie and there's a couple things you can tell like she has like a gay best friend who's a little bit of like a stereotype but like there were some things where I was like, oh, I don't know. But it also is set in New York. It's shot in black and white and it's really beautiful and there's just a lot of like really nice surprises throughout. Um it was so cool to watch. And it was funny. I was watching it. Like, I had no idea about this, but a lot of it was shot at a theater that I used to work at. So I had like this whole wow. wave of nostalgia for like my old life. Um, and yeah, it just is like there's not a ton of really good comedies around and it's not a straight comedy, but it is really, really funny and really enjoyable. Uh, I That's the kind of the movie I'm ashamed that I haven't seen yet. Uh, I've only heard incredibly great things. It's Yeah. That will go right to the top of my list. I'm so glad you reminded me that I haven't seen it. It's great. I feel like it's great if you like, like Fleabag and mm-hmm. um, I May Destroy You. Like I feel like this woman, Rada Blank, fits in with like those those cool like auteur ladies. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's so – it feels so like uh, – it just feels so New York-y and cool and uh, – it's um, another movie, like, I think similar to Promising a Woman that potentially would have gotten more buzz if it had been able to have, like, some kind of theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Um, so give it, a, give it a view on Netflix. Yes. Can I? This is not really in the spirit. But can I tell you one thing I didn't enjoy as much, like, yes. in my highbrow journey? Have you seen First Cow yet? No, but I have heard about it. Yeah, I've heard that it was so good. Well, I had heard and then I watched it and I found it very slow, beautiful, but slow. And just like compared to like even just the way you just spoke about 40-year-old version. And I was, I don't know. It's just like, it's very interesting to me what, it's also a male-centered story. It's just interesting to me the stories that still get the buzz. Like there are many promising young women critiques for men out there that I just feel are... Yeah, missing the mark. Not that I know the mark, but I think I know it better than 
people with different genitalia yeah. who have anyway well it's because women who make movies have to make perfect movies or else women can't make movies i feel like we need to do patreon like you know spoiler filled breakdowns of 40 year old version and um promising young woman if people want to do yeah a film just like club drunk kind of feminist movie club yeah yeah but we that have to we have to get drunk we have to um, yes yeah Again, we're I building also- out the community. That's an idea. Hold us to it if you think it's cool. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, there's one more thing I want to recommend, but I'm going to do it so fast. And- no, no worries. I love this. <laughs> okay, great. Do the um, listeners? So- Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm looking up the name of it because I can't remember what it's called, but it's an article in The New Yorker, and I'm sorry, and I know that is not cute. Okay, I have the title of it. The only thing, and here's the other thing, and if everybody wants to fucking slap me, that I totally get it. It's a it's a forty page New Yorker article, which in regular pages is like a hundred pages. I read it over the course of three days. A big Fran energy, Liza. <laughs> right? No, truly, it was after I watched it. I was like, I need to read something every day. Um, but it's called. It's by Lawrence Wright, who's like a big nonfiction author. He wrote Too Big to Fail and a, a ton of other like like long deep dive investigative journalism books. But it's called The Plague Year, mm-hmm. and it's all about it, – it's like the story of COVID from when it first appeared in China to, to the end of December. Um, and he ta- he ta- he's an incredible writer. It's like reading a sci-fi novel. He writes wow. so well. It's, like, very compelling. But he also um, – he examines it from all these different sides, you know, governmental, like, personal, economic – um, he talks about he interviews mask manufacturers. He interviews people who lost their job. He interviews obviously frontline workers. He talks to economists. He t- like he finds these really interesting stories. He talks about the man who made the Moderna vaccine, who I'm now in love with. He's the he has the he's the cutest person on earth. I'm pretty sure, and his his life story is kind of crazy. And just it just made me love scientists who like he's not going to make any money from this. Like he just. Like it's a, it's a very powerful story. I won't tell you guys too much about it, but I think that overall, like in the last couple of weeks, especially where everything's been scary, it's a very scary article. So I'm not saying it alleviates that, <laughs> but it just absolutely highlights the need for essential, the essential need for good central government and how much our government really did fucking fail us. And <sighs> it obviously like, hey, this is not an upbeat recommendation, but I just think there are so many ways reading it where I was like oh I understand this better and I understand better now like what leadership it, why leadership is necessary like it's not just symbolic um or whatever so it's a uh, like I know this is an annoying thing to recommend and I fully get if you all want to slap me through your earbuds right now but it's it was a really good read or I wouldn't uh I wouldn't be annoying you <laughs> no it. I think you know I'm more, I'm trying to do less Twitter consumption, more like reading and book consumption and like Atlantic articles or New Yorker article consumption, you know, where you're getting, you know, really quality information and really quality writing. So I I will, I, your recommendations mean very much to me. So I will undertake that. We'll see how I do. They also, if you wanted to subscribe to the New Yorker, they also put it on like an audio, they they do like an audio reading of oh, all their yeah, articles now. Oh yeah, that's so great. That's so great. Um which is nice. This particular one is like three and a half hours, but Jeff listened to it on a, on a series of walks. <laughs> I mean, that's how I might. I, I like that. Maybe I'll listen to it. 
Uh, but your point is so good. And it weirdly sparks a tiny bit of hope in me. I saw a headline. I forget if it was Washington Post or New York Times today, but just – I, I, of course, I was on Twitter, so my, you know, my my changing of consumption is not going super well right now. But it was like it, what's so um, kind of the the fact that Joe Biden's plan to approach this pandemic is so fucking obvious is actually just so sad. It's like we could have yeah. done so much more. It's it's not like he's coming in with this brilliant idea. It's just that nothing was done. So as yeah. much as things are going to get worse, I mean, like four hundred thousand Americans have died now. It's just it's. We're so outraged by the capital or the denial of the election results. I think the rage and we're also many people are outraged about the COVID, you know, impacts um, or the lack of leadership involved with that. I mean, that's why Trump didn't get reelected. But I just think it's, you know, with all that darkness, there's a tiny bit of hope that I'm getting, even if the vaccine rollout stinks, even, even if whatever, that there's this this new administration that actually is focused on. Now yeah. it's their problem, not Trump's problem. Completely. They have to make an impact and they're focused on actually doing something about it, which gives me yeah. a little hope. Totally. And like even in just reading this, I was like, oh, there's so many things the government can do and should have done. And now hopefully we have, we have someone that will do it. So that's good. It, you know, these people are not powerless and they fucked up so many things and so many people did not have to die. Like yeah. it would have been a, a, an pandemic under any leadership but i i will you'll never be able to convince me that like not this many people had to die yep it's so dark it's so dark (laughs) sorry guys this is dating dating podcast so you may notice look at me just running away from the darkness um you may notice that carlin our new dater is not here this week but i just wanted to quickly shout out a post in our secret facebook group um from a phd student and we have a couple phd students we had some chiming in which i was like go women getting your phds f yeah Yeah. i feel honored you listen to us with our babbles um no but really good points about you know if you listen to last last week's episode carlin's um date with mr phd he was not super cool about having time he was he was very busy with his phd we were kind of all chatting about like we were almost all making excuses for him or being open to the fact that he could have excuses but i think some really good points are made of like i'm a phd student i would never think about saying things like that i'm a phd student like those are just red flags. They have nothing to do with how busy you are, which I really appreciate. Um, yes, 100%. I think I liked there was um, Stephanie in our secret Facebook group said, no excuses for men being jerks in 2021. So all new dicks and no excuses for men being jerks in 2021. Okay, great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, it is a vibe. <laughs> but yeah, we love you, PhD students. Just wanted to shout that out. And we're we're not surprised female PhD students have no problem managing their romantic, personal, social, and education and career lives. So shout out to you. Uh, Okay, shall we do a listener question, Liza, and then get into our interview with Marla? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Would you like me to read it? I shall. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, great. So this came in through our email. Hello, ladies. So I've been seeing this guy for almost a year now, and he told me very early on when we were just friends that he doesn't want kids. And if he were to have them, he would adopt. I would would agree with – sorry. I agree with him since, A, I don't want kids, and, B, I can't have them. 
We agreed not to have them. However, his mother has been pushing boundaries and keeps pressuring him and me to have them, knowing full well of my situation. She says there are more options and so on. What are your thoughts on how to approach this situation? I want her to stop asking and just accept she's not going to get grandchildren from us. This is tricky. I mean, I'm impressed you guys are having that conversation having dated for less than a year. That is like a fucking sign of maturity that I don't have. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Same. <laughs> um, I feel strongly, especially because your relationship is on the newer side, uh, that you should managing your partner's mother should be your partner's responsibility at this stage. If you, you know, if you guys had been together for, you know, many years and you had a super well-established relationship with her, if you guys were married or if you, if you were in a position um, where you were further along in dating, like obviously you guys are, you and your, and your partner are very serious for having these conversations, which is great. Um, But I do think that in the shorter term, when you are dating someone, um, there can be a lot to be lost in uh in putting any kind of like strangeness in your relationship with their parent um i think you should say to your partner like it is very important to me that your mom stops asking about this it makes me feel weird and bad and goes against what we've told her and i feel not listened to and i feel disrespected since this is a biologically not possible for me so i need you to have like a serious conversation with her like that's very important for my like you, you know ability to have a relationship with your mother can you please manage this like, I feel like it's almost like at work where like you can't go to your boss's boss you have to go to your boss and be like this is an issue you go figure it out for me because I don't that's not my job to like manage up that much um and and you know again down the line if you if and when you guys get married or or are talking about adopting kids, you know, you can probably start to have those conversations with her yourself. And I would approach them by just really coming at it as like, this is how it makes me feel. It makes me feel bad and sad. It hurts my feelings. It makes me, you know, what, however it makes you feel. I don't want to put feelings into your feelings box, but, um, but I think now it's like, yeah, he, you know, he's got to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent, Liza. I couldn't agree more. I think like zooming out a little bit to your earlier point, first and foremost, sounds like you're in a really healthy relationship. Being on the same page about something this complex that is, you know, something a lot of people have strong feelings about, you know, having children in the future is really impressive. And it's just great that you're on the same page. You know, that's like hurdle one out of the way. So then when it's not your parent, I agree. And especially this early, it really becomes your partner's responsibility. And it sounds like, again, you have nice open communication with your partner. And I completely agree with Liza focusing on sharing how it makes you feel. We don't know how it makes you feel, but I feel offended for you that, you know, even if you didn't want them, I'm sorry, even if you did want them, if you did want them, wanting them or not, you if you can't have them, it's incredibly rude to push it. And I feel like for those who aren't, you know, thinking about kids, but are maybe just feeling pressure from parents about or, or an a pre-in-law, like about marriage or just, you know, you're single and you have a parent or a an aunt or a grandmother or anyone. I'm making them all women. Men can encourage marriage as well. Uh, But if you're feeling pressure around these things, I think it's just really, 
you know, important to remember that just because it, it will infuriate you, it will bring bad energy at you, but just because someone else wants a different path forward to you doesn't mean it's the right one. And that's the most basic example ever, but we talk all the time on this podcast and I just feel like I it took me so long to realize that all of the like self-flagellation I was doing to myself for not having a boyfriend had way more to do with what other people like wanted for me than what I actually wanted throughout my 20s, you know? Totally. It's just, I'm trying, because Liza, you answered this perfectly, so I'm kind of trying to broaden it to just say, this is a really good year, especially after 2020 when so many people's lives shifted, um, you know, completely outside of their control, to remember that you're in control of your life, your narrative, and the things that other people put pressure on you to have even if it's not directly even if it's just the way that one friend posts about her engagement or her wedding all the time and you're like good for you but not for me uh just I think like checking in with yourself about what you actually want and then in those moments where someone's coming at you adding pressure just you know it's almost like dealing with online trolls if you've ever had an internet troll or you know just asshole in your life just trying not to react to that and taking care of yourself which totally pretty general but no and remember that like what other people want from you is a hundred percent about them yep you know it's not about you like this is something my therapist has to remind remind me of all the time it's like cool someone wants you to be more this or more that or more whatever it's because of their insecurities or their like unconscious desires or the things that are missing from their lives and I think the pressure for for grandchildren for a lot of people it's because the grandparents want to you know, remember the joy of having their kids. It's about wanting to have a purpose, wanting to have something to pour their love into, which is all very special, but it's about them and it's yeah. not about you. Um, It's not there. I, I think rarely they're thinking about what would make you happy. Like, I, that's a lie. I'm super like, I think rarely people who want to be grandparents are thinking about whether or not it's the right thing for their kids. <laughs> um, I am not saying this shadily. Uh, my, my, parents because well they already have grandkids so they're not putting any pressure on me anymore and they know I'm a lost cause <laughs> but like you know they don't do that but so I'm not if they're listening I'm not shading um my parents at all it's just I've heard from a lot of friends that this pressure is starting to happen and yeah I just would remind them all and you this dear listener that it's not about uh it's about it's about your boyfriend or your partner's mom yeah and have your partner have that conversation and maybe like he you can have him go into that conversation and like try to sniff out what she what it is about grandchildren like yes it's probably like having cute kids in your life but maybe it's about seeing you both more or something like that and then you can find other ways to connect with her you know if that's it or whatever if there's a way in this conversation he has where he explains why it's really hit a limit which I really just feel like it is the way you're writing this like you wouldn't write into us if it wasn't you know hitting a point where it's just unsustainable for you to have to just like brush these comments off so see if he can also you know try to come up with other solutions for whatever this need is within her I don't know that's just it totally and um good luck let us know how it goes um but everybody I think that wraps our Porsche that wrapped our Porsche now you get to our Porsche (laughs) Our Porsche 911 car. Uh, Okay. Whoa. But now you get to go to the really juicy meat of this episode. We are so excited to talk orgasms. 
to talk porn, to talk all sorts of sex and sexual health with Marla coming up right now after this ad break, actually. Mm hmm. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And now we are so excited to be joined by Marla Renee Stewart. Marla, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to talk about sex with you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about sex too. I'm excited to talk about sex like every day, but whatever, it's cool. <laughs> That's incredible. That's the right kind of energy right now. I feel like everybody is, so many of our listeners are emailing us and they're like, I have been alone in my apartment for 10 months. Like it's a it's a good time to I think talk about sex, maybe like rethink some some things we want to like change about our sex lives, bring in some positive energy, all of it. So we're so psyched to talk to you. We're thrilled you are here. But first, as always, we'd love to know, do you have a worst first date story? Oh, I have plenty. Um the <laughs> I have uh, one, um, so okay, I'll, I'll go through, I, I guess I can tell maybe a couple, then you can figure out which ones you want to go through, but I, they'll, they'll be really brief. But um, one first date I actually had with a couple, um, and uh, they, uh, they were actually two women and a couple, and they were looking for a third. And I was like, this seems very interesting. I'm going to go ahead and go on a date. And we went on a date and it was, it was not very good um, because one of them was like, they were not out um, to their parents and they were like over 40, weren't out. And um, their partner just kind of like tolerated it. And basically like when the family came over, uh, they would remove all of their pictures together and like do this whole thing. And I thought that was, that's pretty gross. Um, And so that was a, a horrible first date for me. And then another first date that I thought was interesting. So I went out on a date. This was in San Francisco a while ago. And I went out on a date with this guy. And he was a, um, a hip hop rapper, uh, MC guy. And um, I went to his performance. And the performance was, you know, it was pretty good, pretty decent. But I was very convinced that like, hey, I am going to, uh, we're, we're probably going to sleep together. Let's, let's do this. Right. And so, um, I went back to his place and <laughs> I found a book and I, mean, I don't know if it was like a journal or what, but basically he had like cut out my, like my space picture or Facebook picture at the time or something like he printed it out, like had it like in his journal like 
and <laughs> oh my god I am horrified sorry you guys all can't see lies in my face <laughs> yeah you can't see our faces our jaws are on the floor that that is some horror movie bullshit <laughs> so he had my face and it was like you know in the journal and like written about and I I don't know if I was supposed to see it or not I'm guessing I probably was not supposed to see it or you know his place was just kind of you know sometimes guys places are a little in a disarray and so I um anyway it's super creepy right but like I kind of like a little creepy so I was like let me just go ahead and go forward and see what happens and anyway um we ended up having sex and he made the worst sex noises (laughs) oh god they were so bad they were just it was like it was just like this noise that I just couldn't I I couldn't wrap my head around anyway I couldn't wait to leave so um that was a pretty uh, no more dates after that yeah Yeah. I see I could see that like between the journal diary book like serial killer plotting device and the grunting like I think I totally get that but (laughs) right right um so another question we so cheesily always ask is about your relationship to relationships. And it could also be about your relationship to relationships and sex. That feels more appropriate. Um, however you want to take it in terms of, you know, just how you think about or have thought about historically um, romantic relationships, dating, and sex. So it's so interesting. I think to do what I do and to think about how I've navigated relationships over the years I realized over time that I had been doing it just sort of all wrong, right? And it wasn't until maybe the past five years that I've been like, oh my God, I found the key. But before that, I was, my relationship to relationships were, I, I love to be in love. I love to love. I love to like take care and like, you know, adore and I really give an over abundance of love to my partners and so um so my relationships to relationships were very much me taking care of people and I realized I cannot do that um because I do that for my job um and I I don't I I need someone who's also going to be able to to hold their own and I literally just learned that not too long ago. And now that I've learned it, I'm like, oh my God, everybody needs to know this. I wish I would have known what I knew, you know, what I know now, right? I, my life could have been so much better. Um, but I learned a lesson. I'm here now. I'm great. But I, uh, I really wish that I would have known sooner. And I think a lot of it has to do with we grow up with the relationship trope of like relationships are work and relationships are hard and this and that but actually I am so happy and I don't have to do that much work it's not that hard it's actually very easy when you find um the person that is for you so um that is the one thing I really want to normalize like healthy communication healthy relationships relationships where it really does not work, it does not, you don't have to work that hard. You really just have to be and accept someone for who they are, so. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, your crazy is compatible with their crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's it. Totally. I mean, yeah. Amen. It's, it's such a, I feel like it's such a process that so many, that, that so many people have to go through to go from that thing of like, you know, justifying people's behavior and thinking that you it's it's somehow on you to fix people or to help people, like especially women who I think sometimes get burdened with like women. I'm, I'm being heteronormative women who who date um, men, you know, get so many so often burdened with like their mental health because they weren't taught to deal with it. And I feel like I've just seen so many of my female friends go through similar things where it's like, oh, I can't make them happy. Like, you know, like they have to be happy on their But yeah, it's it's sad that we have to do that, but it's also such a powerful it can be such a powerful process when you like make that realization. Yeah. Yeah, Marla, I love what you said about normalizing, you know, relationships not being that work. You you've said it much better than I just reiterated, but like normalize, <laughs> that really resonated with me because it's so glaring I feel like the way that just healthy relationships aren't normalized anywhere or or rarely are normalized um and I think that you know also makes me think about you know healthy relationships to sex and pleasure and I must shout out um on your Instagram bio where you have you know your pleasure activist and sexual strategist also obsessed with that branding um yeah I love it especially like sexual strategist just like I'm like I need that um but how did you you know find this work what you know got you into it kept you with it how has your career evolved we'd love to hear more about that absolutely so I really you know I I think uh, all the things just sort of have culminated to to these moments of where I've gotten to involve where I got involved into this work but I think the catalyst really was when I was in college, I was having great sex with lots of people. And my friends were like having sex, but not like having orgasms. And I was like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Why would you have sex and not have orgasms? And so it really, for me, I think the what resonated was like, oh, you know, lots of women are asking for their pleasure. They're like stunted in their communication, especially to men around sexuality. Um, a lot of my friends were um, stunted around their sexuality, like didn't know. And I think college is one of those times, right? They're what we call them like gay until graduation, right? Like, you know, some they, they would do whatever they wanted and then would graduate and be like, okay, well, I'm actually not gonna do that anymore. Um, there's like, you know, there were so many different things that were happening. I'm like people, uh, and people came to me for advice. So a lot of the times, you know, my friends, they knew that I was studying human sexuality. They were just asking me questions, asking me like, how do I talk to, someone about getting you know what I want and like how do I have an orgasm or like all of these different things and I'm like wow and you know I've been having orgasms since I was a child like my uh friend and I I think we we're in the second grade and she had these like uh she had like twin beds like in the same room and we would just like masturbate next to each other you know, and so it's like, I have been masturbating for such a long time. And I think I'm just a naturally extroverted, open person. 
Like I'm, you know, I just express myself and whatever it is. And um, I think that helps a lot of people to be comfortable, like saying that, oh, okay. Like I just need to say what's on my mind or I, you know, I just need to sort of get over that hump or that shame or stigma maybe that has been keeping me um, from experiencing, you know, pleasure. So yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with me wanting my friends to have orgasms and like ask for what they want and enjoy the college life like I was enjoying it. So yeah, that's where that all began. This is a great origin story, like helping friends get orgasms or have orgasms. <laughs> like I love it. Well, I feel like I needed a friend like that at a younger age. Yes. I, I but it's funny because like that's I think eventually one of my friends was just like, oh, you've never had an orgasm. Like you need to like do these things. Like it was a friend who was like, OK, like let's get past this. Um, And it can be a really powerful thing. How would you. I mean, okay, I'm, I have two questions, but I think one of them is getting ahead of myself. So I'll backtrack a little bit. Can you just tell, for all of our listeners who may not know, can you tell us a little bit about like what you do? Like you work with, you work with clients to help, you know, I, I, well, I'm not going to say because <laughs> I just asked you the question. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about what you, what you do day to day? Yes. Yes. So I, what I call myself a pleasure activist and a sexual strategist. And the reason for that is because I formulated my own career curriculum around um, what I call a sexual strategy. And what that is, is a combination of sex therapy, um, somatic body work, and comprehensive sex ed. So, you know, sex therapists tend to be very limited in what they can do and how they interact with their clients. Um, you know, somatic body workers, they work with the body. And so I integrate, you know, breath work, touching exercises, things like that. Um, and then I also bring the element of comprehensive sex ed. Like, what does it mean to have sex ed? What does it mean to have healthy relationships? What does it mean to, you know, express myself or come up, have those sex skills or communication or seduction skills that are going to help me in the future? So all of those things, I feel like are a great combination. So that is where I came up with the sexual, you know, strategist, um, uh, thing and so I'm actually going to be coming out with a, a certificate. Um, I want to certify people into this sexual strategy, so I'm going to open it up and like because I realize like I'm I feel like I'm the only person who does this, um, working with clients, and I would love for more people who can you know work with people in their area, um, you know, because I work with people all over the world, but like. Yeah, I would love for other people to get this kind of help and, you know, me not be the only one, you know, doing this kind of thing. So, or people feeling, going into like sex therapy and then feeling restricted because they want to do this thing, but, you know, therapy says you can't do this thing or else you're going to get your license taken away or whatever, right? So yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a complicated thing, but I'm really excited about like, introducing you know people to it and what it means yeah that's so cool it feels so important <laughs> yeah and it's it, 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 it's like yeah like I said it's really around like I, I feel like I tell people I specialize with helping people around seduction communication skills sex skills helping them around kink and BDSM so embrace that you know non-monogamous communities LGBTQ plus communities and I've worked with folks 
I'm in HIV and public health and I studied that for a while too. So I want to integrate that, you know, into the, I, I integrate all of it into the work. And I also look to other people in my, you know, sexual communities to integrate that work as well. And so I think from all of those different ideas then was born a Sex Down South, um, which was, which is a conference that we have every year in Atlanta. And that is, we're going into our seventh year and that's three days of just learning, you know, sex workshops, anything and everything you possibly think of. And then we have fun and party at night. So, oh, you know, sounds like a blast. it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, what's so interesting about your work is that it is, you do integrate so many different parts from communication to thinking about physicality or breath work um, and so many more things that you just listed eloquently. But, you know, obviously I feel like education around sex, around many things, education is a problem in this country, first and foremost. Sex education, <laughs> also a huge problem. Um, even And it sounds like even things that someone like me who's less, you know, in the know. I didn't realize sex therapy had the limits it does. It totally makes sense that it does. What, like, what's your ideal solution? Or is it about the approach to sex education, like on a broader scale, like to get the kind of work you're doing, or at least normalize like learning or being curious about seduction or yeah, non-monogamous communities and relationships? Yeah. Yeah. I think coming from academia, I always have like that research-minded, research-focused kind of mind. So for me, it's like, hey, we understand that comprehensive sex ed works. We know that. We know that abstinence-only education does not work. We know that if you are coming from a more conservative community, you're more likely to um, be faced with sexual challenges. You know, so there's so much research out there and it's so it's about like, hey, we know these things, why can't we implement them? And a lot of times those barriers are because of, I mean, I live in the South, so it's a big, you know, the Bible Belt. So there's a lot of religious, you know, issues, a lot of religious trauma um, that people experience, but, you know, being shamed, stigmatized um, because of their sexuality or because they want to do something that they were taught was wrong um, and, 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 you know, it's sort of the, uh, it, it, you know, stuck, They're, they just kind of get stuck. And so the need to unlearn those things is super, super important. And I just, yeah, like I, I really, I really hope to, to, to help people just move forward in their sexual journey, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm. I what, what was the question? I was like, kind of what's like the ideal solution, which is totally unfair and an insane question to ask. Like, what do we do? But I think like the unlearning seems like a huge part of it, and not to jump away if you wanted to expand anymore. But I was thinking about someone listening, potentially being like, "That sounds like me. Like, I've been ashamed of this sexual part of me." What is like? Maybe there's not one answer to this, but what's maybe the first step to unlearning? If someone's listening right now and they're like, oh, that sounds like me. I have shame around X, Y, or Z, or I haven't explored this or that. Well, I think one of the first steps is you you have to want to learn something, mm. right? So you, if you want to learn more about sex, sexuality, or an aspect of sex and sexuality, take a class, right? Like 
you know, uh, look it up or, you know, do your best to try to educate yourself. And then that is the process of learning and unlearning some of those things. And I think the unlearning process, you know, you're going to have to find someone to help you. So whether that is through therapy or, you know, the sexual strategy or sex coaching or, you know, you know, educating yourself in other ways, I think that's uh, the, the first step is just taking that step and acknowledging, hey, my pleasure, this feels good, but maybe, you know, why, why do I have to uh, or why is this bothering me so much? You know, why it feels good. It's, it's usually like, it feels good and it's bothering me. How do I balance this out? Yeah. Interesting. And in that same vein, do you find that there is a piece of advice or an insecurity that you tend to see over and over and over again in your work? Uh, like a piece of advice you give or... Um, a problem that someone brings to you that you uh, feel is kind of the most common um, thing that people are dealing with? Yeah, well, the, the, the issues that come to mind as far as like thinking about my clients are really um, understanding who they are as people and then who they want as a partner, right? Um, sometimes I get a lot of people, who, well, if, for my clients, I get people who are just like, is this the person for me? And then they're very resistant when I'm like, I don't think it's the person for you. Or they, you know, they come up with, some, it's, it's sort of like a, um, it, it, uh, it's a challenge, right? And sometimes because I'm not, you know, there's some therapists that are like, oh, just say what the client wants to hear. And I am fortunate enough that I don't have to do that. You know, like, I'm not going to say that if I think that this isn't working because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, and J, like, it's not working. And from my experience, relationships should be easy. It should not be this hard. And so, um, so working on, you know, things here and there, wanting to, you know, upgrade your love, your love life, up-level your love life if you want to, you know, find some things here and there. Or maybe there's some issues in communication that, you know, you maybe weren't aware of earlier and now things are starting to pop up because you've been, you know, in the house forever. And so, um, you know, there might be some things that might come up, but... Um, overall, I think it's, it's really about um, finding, finding who you are, what you want to do. I also have, you know, clients who have trouble finding orgasm or understanding, you know, what their own pleasure looks like or what desire looks like. Um, I've had clients who um, are really starting to discover what their sexuality is. I feel like that happens actually a lot in my sessions where somebody's like, Bing. oh, I am asexual. Hmm. Or being like, oh, I actually want an open relationship. Or, you know, so sometimes, you know, helping, having someone to help facilitate those conversations and understanding their own sexual relationship identity with themselves is going to be very, very important and you know 
the, I think the way to figure that out is through, you know, talking to people, discovering, learning, educating yourself. Yeah. It's all, it, it's just, it's so like, as I hear you speak again, I'm just thinking, wow, like this really human desire or, or need or want is something that a lot of us feel so weird, even like talking about sex or it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not stating any new truths here. I'm just like, oh, this is frustrating. And to kind of your, you mentioned the pandemic and people maybe living with partners and that changing things. Do you have any advice for people who are not partnered or not living with a partner or people who want to work on their sexual selves while in quarantine? I'm in LA where we are like fully locked down. So yeah. Do you have any advice for that? <laughs> yes. Um, masturbate in all sorts of ways with all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> Um, that's probably one of the, one of the best things that we can do is start really discovering ourselves. I, I just got my first vibrator like two years ago and I was like, oh my, I've been missing out. This is a, this is a, a world that I had no idea about because I had been so integrated into my own work with like, oh, my hands, my mouth, my body parts are perfect the way they are. They work just fine. And like, I really didn't think about expanding my own sexuality. And then once I did that, I was like, oh, now I see why people, like why other maybe sex educators are like, you know, have like a freaking ton of dildos or whatever it is that, or vibrators. And I'm like, okay, I see, because now you can learn to do different things um, with these toys and you can learn yourself in new ways. And like I have clients who, you know, maybe refuse to masturbate because they still have that shame and stigma around masturbation. And so I'm just like, buy a toy or two, you know, figure it out. Do you need to be on your stomach? Do you need to be on your back? Do you like to hump pillows? Do you like to hump the corner of your mattress? I don't know. Do you, you know, do you need your hips up? You need like thinking about all the different ways you need in the shower, you know, whatever it is. So I think really being able to try to masturbate in different ways will help you expand your level of knowing your body around orgasm, which will help you tell someone, hey, I can orgasm this way, this way, that way, this way, this way. Like, so we have many different options and we can always sort of, you know, stay curious. But um, I think... Uh, for folks who are like single and who, you know, haven't been able to, um, you know, go anywhere or, um, you know, have been just, you know, sheltering in place. I think it's always fun to, besides masturbation and getting to know yourself, you know, connect with other folks, you know, online. Um, um, or think about what your next steps are when you come out of quarantine or, you know, sheltering in place, because, I have a client right now who's like, okay, I've been doing this for so long. What is, what are the steps that I need to do to get a relationship? Okay. Let's work, work on these things. We're going to work on ABC to make sure when we step out, you step out, you know how to flirt, you know how to do everything, you know how to talk to people, you know how to connect and, and that's going to be great. So I think practicing that stuff too is going to help by being in maybe virtual communities, connecting online. And yeah, I'm practicing your practicing your flirting. I mean, I feel like yeah, 
I love that we've been trying to like reframe, you know, dating in times of sheltering in place and online. You know, people are sick of FaceTime first dates. Fine. I get it. But think of it as practice. Like there is a vaccine. There's an end at some point, hopefully soon. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I like that. Like maybe that will resonate with some people. It's like it's practice, you know. Um, it resonates with me. Like I have a goal. Yeah, now. and relatively <laughs> safe practice. You know, I don't know. Get on the apps and just flirt over chat. I don't. It feels so low stakes, and it feels like kind of a fun. Uh, you know, I'm. We're all tired of watching TV. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So to that point, do you have any? Um. Do you have any thoughts? about um or advice for people who maybe are not experienced with sex toys and are not super comfortable with them do you have any like non-intimidating ways into that world Ooh, that's a great question i you know i think you just have to start off with one and you know i started off with um I, the, the reason why, let me tell you, the reason why I got turned off of sex toys is because I did try like a bullet or something. And I was like, okay, this isn't, this doesn't really work for me. Um, so I was like, maybe, you know, the vibrations don't really work, but it wasn't till the introduction of the suction toys that really like, I was like, oh, well that's different. Let me try that. And so when thinking about our bodies, like as a, you know, a person who has a vulva and vagina, you know, you have to think about your clitoral sides. You have to think about like, is it, is your vulva front facing or back facing? Do I need a pillow to prop up my butt or not? You know, what are the ways that I need to masturbate? Is it on my stomach? Is it on my back? And like the um, introduction of the suction toys gave gave I, not only me but I think other people a different way of um, being able to masturbate so um, and being responsive and really having a high responsive rate um, for that but I think for for beginners I think you know just knowing um, I, I feel like trying trying two toys right one a vibrating toy like um, like a bullet or something along those lines or a shower head, something, you know, um, and a suction toy. So trying, you know, one, two or all three of those things, I think can help you have a better grasp on what kind of style or what kind of toy you may need. So that way you can say, okay, I've tried this toy, I like these kinds of toys. So I like the air pulse toys. So I'm gonna go for the air pulse toys and see, you know, which ones, you know, resonate with me better. Um, so I think, yeah, start small, yeah. start small, start with a smaller and then, you know, as you get more advanced then you can upgrade <laughs> your upgrade toys. And I will second the suction toy situation. But yeah. like as a, I'm easily intimidated by like, large sex toys but that yeah um I'm very pro suction uh yeah it's funny it's such good advice to just try a couple different ones too because you know I feel like I just didn't think I liked sex toys because I got I like bought one it was the wrong one I'd already spent money on it I didn't like it I was like well I'm not gonna try another one for three years you know it's just like a 
a thing that happens but it's yeah i feel like this this continues to be a trend of like just push through and you'll find something so kind of adjacent we have two listener questions marla um i'm gonna read you the first one and see if you have any advice Porn just isn't that stimulating for me. Can you suggest other media we can consume? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing about porn, if it, if that person was uh, probably a cisgender woman, if um, if I'm if I'm if I'm guessing that correctly, sometimes um, porn not sometimes a lot of the times most of the time porn is coming from a male gaze. Um, so you might just be looking at the quote-unquote wrong type of porn. Um, so you might want to find something that's a little bit more in the, um, like a, a, you know, a cisgender woman, female point of view, um, and, you know, or some feminist porn that seems to be really resonate with people like that. Um, and if porn is not your thing, which I have a client, it's so great because she likes to read erotica. And one of the best solutions that we found uh, was her reading erotica while her husband was like erect, but in her, right? So, but like not doing anything. And so um, being able to sort of um, uh, get stimulated and like get connected in this way was very um, different. But, um, you know, you might want to think about, are you, uh, I talk about in the book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, um, thinking about like, um, are you auditory? Are you visual? Are you tactile? Um, and to know your seduction learning style means maybe the porn visually is not pleasing. So maybe it's the audio piece. So maybe you want to listen to some audio erotica or um, maybe porn is not your thing and you want to do something a little bit more tactile. Maybe you want to do a massage or you want to do some dancing or you want to connect in a different way. Um, porn can, sh it, 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 it um, kind of zaps our brain, it kind of sh uh, short circuit um, our brains to our genitals. And so um, you might not like it, you know, for a variety of reasons, but I think, you know, leaning towards maybe something like erotica, if you want something more stimulating, um, erotic, reading erotica, audio erotica, listening to people have orgasms or build up to orgasms um, can be very, very helpful and useful um, if, if you want to try to get off in a different way rather than just watching for the male gaze porn. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Um, it's easy how, like, I was like, wow, that's a tough question. And then you named all these other senses we have that I just don't think about, um, when it comes to getting turned on. Um, and I will read the second one too. I'm, it's funny cause it's, it was written in. So this is all caps, the beginning. What is the deal with pubes? And then, and why are we all ashamed and confused by them? So I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that as well. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's so funny because, um, you know, pubic hair was not that big of a deal until recently, right? So we know from like mainstream porn, 
um, you know, pubes were the thing. They were everywhere. And um, it wasn't, you know, there's some arguing uh, around, you know, around feminism, around the infantilization of women and shaving, you know, the pubes and, you know, to make it look like a little girl or something like that. So I think part of it is, um, I'm all, I'm thinking vulva and vagina oriented about pubes. I don't know if it's. Yeah. A lot of our audience that will probably resonate with them the most. Okay. I'll just say like a very specific demographic. It feels like when it comes to <laughs> sexual organs, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So like what the, what's the deal with pubes? Like them, love them. You know, I think. I don't, I don't think people should care that much. Um, I think you do whatever you should, whatever feels comfortable to you. Um, if you are partnered, um, I think it should be, you know, talk about the negotiation. Like maybe they want it, you know, maybe they want it bare, but you're like, mm, I don't want it bare. Maybe I can have it cut low. Or, you know, I think negotiating that is also helpful because you both want to be pleased and you both want to be, you know, um, you, you both want to have pleasure in the sexual situation. So um, I know for me, for the longest time, you know, I had, had these partners who were like, you know, Brazilian, Brazilian, Brazilian is like, okay, well, I don't really know. I don't really care that much. And if you don't care that much, that's fine. And then I would get Brazilians all the time, right? And then, um, and but then I would get like um, uh, ingrown hairs, you know? And then I'm just like, I'm tired of this life. Like, I don't want the ingrown hair life. I'm, I'm not about that life. And so <laughs> um, I just decided like, I'm, I don't wanna do that anymore. I don't wanna put myself through that torture. I wanna just let my vulva and my vagina just be happy with its hair. Um, and I'll just trim it down so, you know, you can't inhale it, whatever, <laughs> you know, like I'll just try to make sure it's manageable so that you can do whatever you need to do and that like it doesn't bother you and it's great for me. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the pubes, pubes are pubes, but, you know, sometimes people's pubes can be rough on skin. So in some people's skin are fragile or sensitive. So, you know, I think it's all about negotiating with your lover lovers and, and figuring that out. Yeah. I like that. That's good. I, you know, the kind of like the energy around pubes, I was hoping, and maybe it's just cause I'm getting older that people were caring less about it. And I like, just like, yes, it's a negotiation. It's definitely, also still your body and you know what makes you comfortable as well um I love it I feel like as you get older you care less yeah I'm like is that still a thing and I like love I'm always like I'm very hopeful for Gen Z so I'm like they must be fine they're they're probably each to each their own or something I don't know I've made that up I have no idea but um yeah well this was great thank you so much Marla and we're ending on pubes um <laughs> <laughs> The best place to end. But Marla, yeah, please tell everyone where they can find you, where they can follow you, all your all your stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, you can find me. I'm, uh, I'm a sex expert for lover stores, um, as well as um, a sexual strategist for my company, Velvet Lips. 
and the co-founder of the Sex Down South Conference at sexdownsouth.com. Um, if you want to find me, you can go to velvetlipssexed.com, sign up for my newsletter, um, or you can buy my book, The Ultimate Guide to uh, Foreplay and Seduction that I did with Dr. Jess O'Reilly. And you can find me on social media at Velvet Lips Sex Ed, that's sex without the E, or at one Marla Stewart. Or if you want to go to the con, it's at SDS Con on Instagram or at Sex Down South ATL on Facebook or Twitter. Amazing. Amazing. And we're going to link all of that below. Um, so please check out Marla and all of the amazing things she's up to. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And Marla, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you so much.